I feel like when we give back, this internal change and transformation becomes more probable for ourselves. I feel like the irony is in my last 15 years, I didn't know how to consistently live in this way with my intimate partnerships. And it's taken me many years and making many mistakes. And yes, I've learned and I've, I've had all these moments and these memories and these, it all blends together with all the service I've done. You know, but it's, it's also been teaching me how to hopefully become a better man in relationship and to become a better steward for love and for intimacy. You're listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast where experts share experiences and the latest thinking on mental health and psychology. Here's your host, Gabe Howard. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Gabe Howard, and calling in today, we have Travis Van Winkle. Travis is currently starring alongside Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Netflix action comedy, FUBAR. Travis, welcome to the podcast. Gabe, what's up, man? Thanks for having me. Before we get going, as much as I'd love to discuss the series FUBAR, because I have so many questions. I, I just watched the finale a, a couple of nights ago. Healthline Media keeps reminding me that this is a mental health podcast. So we are here today to discuss how acts of service have really benefited your personal mental health and why you believe that service to others can improve everyone's mental health. Now, one of the specific talking points that you shared with me is that volunteerism is both a selfless and selfish act. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's a complex why behind service. And again, I think when you contribute in a way and you find yourself being useful to society, it is selfless, you know, but there's also so much that we gain from it. And I think, I think our motivation comes from this, this pain that we all experience as humans. Like no one, no one can escape it. If we're alive, we experience pain, right? But we don't have to suffer and suffering is our attachment to that pain. And I feel like service has allowed me to loosen up my grip on my pain and in helping alleviate someone else's pain, we find new perspectives. So when we give back, this, um, this internal change and transformation becomes more probable for ourselves. And so why not set ourselves up to win? So many people believe that in order for volunteerism or an act of service to count, it has to be selfless. You have to almost suffer in order to give back. And that if you get anything out of it, well, then it lacks humility or you're not humble or my personal favorite, you're, you're not doing it right. And I, I really try to push back hard on this because if people aren't bragging about the benefits of volunteerism then why would anyone sign up for this? It sort of has really bad PR. It's like, lose your Saturday working for free. And can you imagine yeah. that, like, lose your Saturday working for free? Like, who would sign up for that? But there's so many benefits. Yeah, you know, there's a couple things that, that, that come to mind when you say that community service is connected to usually crime and punishment. So I've been arrested a couple of times in my life in university for underage shenanigans. And, and I was forced to do community service. And I thought, I, was like, oh, I got to go do this thing and pick up trash, or I got to go feed the homeless. And I thought it was like this thing that I was being forced to do because I, I had made a mistake. And then I reframed my whole perspective where it's actually not that it's a choice. And when we choose to do it, regardless of if we're choosing to do it, because like, for example, there was a moment in my, my career where I was at the lowest point of my career. I was completely tied up in my psychological knot into my own suffering. And I, I was just in a rut. And I had someone suggest, get off yourself, go be of service. 
So my motivation in that moment was, yes, I just also want to be useful and I want to connect and I want to, I, I want to be a, um, a steward for this world and for growth and for change. But also, I wanted to get off of myself and feel better. There's this beautiful quote from Shoghi Effendi, the more we search for ourselves, the less likely we are to find ourselves. But the more we search to serve our fellow man, the more profoundly we will become acquainted with ourselves and the more inwardly assured. This is one of the great spiritual laws of life. So it's complicated. And who cares? Who cares how you get into service? Who cares how you get into doing good? <laughs> Just do good and you'll feel better for it and the world will be better for it. And it's like a, a portal that opens up inside of you and you're allowed, you heal in ways that you, you can't articulate. It's, it's, it's such a beautiful process and it's also a mystery. But I know that I feel better when I serve. I know I feel better when I give back. Regardless of how I get there or why I get there, I'm going to keep doing it. I, I love the idea because so many people didn't want to volunteer because, again, like I said, bad PR. You want me to work for free on a Saturday? I'm busy. I don't have time for this. Also, people, they thought that asking what's in it for me was an offensive question. And I want to really push back that, no, what's in it for me? There's a great answer to that question. The warm and fuzzy feeling is what's in it for you. And I love that warm and fuzzy feeling. And Travis, I want to point right back at you. What was your warm and fuzzy? What gave you the most joy? What was your volunteer activity? I think we have to surround ourselves with people that inspire us. And we have to look to those who have done it before us. I've always had such a profound respect for prodigious human beings like Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, Maya Angelou, you know, Oprah. You, you just you have to surround yourself with the greats whether that's just studying them, reading their books, their autobiographies, learning about them, but also creating an atmosphere for yourself that's inspiring. So surrounding yourself with friends that are inspiring, friends that are doing incredible things. And so for me, I was just lucky to be surrounded by some great people and some great mentorship. And as soon as I started to get into service, I was like, I, I worked at um, Young Storytellers was one, one particular service I remember where we go into elementary schools and we team up with a group of fourth or fifth graders for eight weeks and we help them write a five page play. And it's a play about their life. And we help them write it. We, we, we talk to them about what's important in their life and what they're going through. And, and we help them write this play. And then at the end of that eight weeks, performers come in and they perform that play in front of the whole school. So I've got to be part of both sides of that. And I just remember this process where these kids would write these stories about, sure, it would be about like a grapefruit and a banana, but it was actually about like the pain that they were experiencing as a child about not, not being seen from their mom or dad or their parents not being around or their sister being mean to them or whatever it was. The stories always reflected what they were going through and struggling with in their own lives in the fourth or the fifth grade. And to be able to put that onto paper and to write a story around it and almost detach yourself from it and, and put it onto other characters allows you to see it differently. And then to have people perform it for them in front of the school it's such a healing process and to be a part of both sides of that as a performer and as a mentor, it was, it was incredible. And I feel like that was one of the openings when I first came to Los Angeles that I started to really, really fall for service after that experience. It sounds like you had some really good people around you who gave you some, some really good guidance in a time that you needed it. A hundred percent. You know, I think, I think for, so I've been in LA now, I've been an actor for 20 years, which is half my life, which is, it just feels kind of crazy. I'm being very nostalgic recently because of this 
two decade mark. But for the first part of my career, I was hell bent on learning how to act and going deep into this craft and just throwing myself in the deep end. And I felt like I had to catch up and I was just working so diligently and tirelessly. You know, I was a savage to, to just want to be the best. And I feel like there was a moment when I was so focused on all my stuff and myself that um, I started to actually, you know, lose lose touch with myself. I started to, I, I wasn't happy. I wasn't feeling connected. Um, you know, I, I was, I was struggling in my career. I was, I was, I felt like I was all caught up in my own psychology and my attachment to my pain, which is suffering. And, you know, that's a choice. We're all going to have pain, but we all don't have to suffer. And I think suffering is just an attachment to that pain. And we have to learn how to grieve the pain and, you know, you navigate it. And, and I think for me, I had a teacher reach out and she's like, Hey, you know, get off yourself. You're not in a good place in turn. Just get off yourself, go surf. And she suggested I go and this was Sarah Mornell. She suggested I join the big brother, big sister program. And well, first she actually, she would hold clothing drive in our class. And I was so inspired by that. And so then I held a clothing drive uh, at my home and I think 200 people showed up and my friends they showed up so, so effortless. It was such an easy thing to open up. As soon as you provide an opportunity for people to serve, they will show up. And I realized that in that moment. And then she suggested I join the Big Brother and Big Sister program, which I did. So for me, it all just that just made so much sense to me because when I would get back in these ways that I was, I felt like I was learning more about myself. I felt like I was understanding myself more. I felt like I was able to look at some of the pain I was feeling and and see it from a new perspective and, and find some belonging inside of myself, which I was longing for. So, you know, it's been, it's, it's been a long journey for me and I've been doing a lot of personal work for 15 years. And, um, I feel like I advocate for service because it's been something that has had a profound impact on, on my overall experience of life. And, um, I found a lot of value. Maybe other people will too. You were a big brother with the Big Brothers and Big Sisters program. Uh, I was a big brother. I, I I got the little the little guy at six years old. He's now twenty eight, and his daughter calls me grandpa. I call her my little oh. grandchild. I know, isn't it great? I, love it. I got to have grandchildren without having children. It, it's it's wow. the best gig in the world. I know. I found a loophole, and I've just been exploiting it to get all the hugs, all the love, <laughs> and all the benefits of grandparenting without the expense of raising a child. But, but all that said, you're, I just, I have to ask, you're a famous actor, you're on my television, right? And, and you have a little from big brothers and big sisters out there. Who's, whose big brother is, is a freaking television star. W what is that like? It, it's it, I, your experience with big brothers and big sisters has to be different from mine. Um, you're very sweet for th those kind words that you said. I love that you're a big brother. Also, for me, the experience of becoming a big brother, it was a profound shift in my life because I had to become accountable for somebody else. And he, my little brother, Lyric, he comes from, you know, he lives, lives below the poverty line. He, one of his parents was incarcerated. He was having some trouble as a youth and spent some time in, um, in foster care. And, you know, he, he came from a pretty tough background and, and this kid, committed to me and I committed to him and I knew that I had to step up 
and show him a positive light, a, a new perspective. And in order to do that, I had to hold myself accountable in a new way. And so that was, it was a profound shift for me because I really started to see if I was walking the walk, you know, that I was, if, if I was living the life that I was teaching to him. And also just being available for someone like that is like, that's the simplest impact you can have is your attention to someone. If I can bestow my attention to him and just be present, like that alone, like that's the win. Um, so for me, becoming a big brother, it taught, like, taught me so much right out of the gate. Uh, and then to be with him for many years, transforming and going through the different stages. I met him when he was 11, turning 12. He's now 24. And so I have journeyed with him through his becoming a teenager into becoming a young man. And it's been a remarkable experience for me. And I, I feel like it's, uh, it's one of those, those things. Again, I went out of my way so that I could give back. But guess what? I have learned so much and I've received so much from this process. I'm like, wait a second, who's serving who here? So uh, I, I advocate uh, very passionately about the Big Brother and Big Sister program because mentorship changes lives. And not only the lives of the mentee, but the life of the mentor. For many people, I think it really goes back to this idea that in order for an act of service to be legitimate, they must not get anything out of it. And, and it, it's sad that people see it that way because the two are not mutually exclusive. You can be a great help and derive great benefit, but society really does see those two things as incompatible and incongruent, and you don't. And what advice do you have for people that just really feel that it lacks humility to talk about these things openly, that acts of service must be done in private behind closed doors? And if you if you even talk about them at all, you're bragging and you have an ego because these are the messages that just get pushed out in society over and over and over again. And I really feel that it's it's robbing people of an opportunity to get involved in active services and to not only improve our society, but to improve their own lives. And that's just, that's just such a tragedy in my mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, you bring up a good point though, too, you know, the whole point of doing good and the whole point of putting yourself out there to be of help to society or to the world, it's not so that you can necessarily talk about it. But think about the little things that we do in our everyday life, these little acts of service, holding the door open for someone or someone drops their pen, you pick it up and give it to them. Or, you know, a, a woman's pushing a stroller with a child and their their little toy falls out and you pick it up or you smile at someone that you, looks to be having a bad day or you ask someone how they're doing at, in, in the coffee line and you see them light up. Whatever it is, we're performing these little moments of connection all day long. And so we don't talk about that. We don't share that. We're not bragging about that. It's just, it's just kind of built into our system of being human. And I think it's just part of what makes us, keeps us alive, really. You know, we're, 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 it's built into our system to connect. And so I, I just believe it doesn't matter if your motivation, if you're having a sad day and you just feel like you need to get off yourself and go pick up trash around your neighborhood because that's going to make you feel better. Go do it. Do you have to tell people about it? No. Did it make you feel better? Yes. Okay. 
So I, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to expound too far on what other people think and what's holding them back from being of service. And they, if they're judging that, you know, sharing your experience of service, you know, that's on them. Um, and if they're meant to go, uh, learn that for themselves and and see how that they can feel valid, like a lot of value if they are of service. Well, then that's that's their journey. Um, and so for me, it's not my responsibility to cater to to that that perspective. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Gabe Howard here to tell you about the Inside Bipolar podcast from Healthline Media. He does the show with me, Dr. Nicole Washington, a board-certified psychiatrist. That's right. A guy living with bipolar and a psychiatrist team up to discuss living well with bipolar disorder. Listen now on your favorite podcast player or visit psychcentral.com slash IBP to learn more. Subscribe now so you don't miss out. And we're back discussing the mental health benefits of acts of service with actor Travis Van Winkle. I really love that you brought up small acts of service. I, I've been giving you big acts of service, you know, volunteering with a child uh, for, for those not involved in big brothers and big sisters. I, I believe it's uh, two hours every other week for one year. So that's a that's a pretty big commitment. And a lot of people give more. It's actually it's not a big commitment. It's six to eight hours a month, and it's a minimum requirement for a year. So it is a nominal amount of time for a life changing impact. That's just what it is. A year commitment, six to eight hours a month. I mean, truly not that, that a, a, a big amount of time, you know, it, it, you are absolutely right for what you get out of it. It's almost nothing, but to some people giving up six to eight hours, it seems like a lot, but you just mentioned that holding the door open for somebody that that's going to take what 30 seconds, a minute, if the person walks really slow and they were really far away. So I, I guess what I want to kind of put in people's minds when they're thinking, oh, well, an act of service would be nice, but I have a job or I have children and I don't have time. Like you said, pick up the toy, hold open the door, say hello to somebody, smile across the room. These are real action steps that we can take right now that have big, 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 big benefits for ourselves, huge dividend dividends for society. And it, again, as you just said, six to eight hours a month for a year is, is not that big of a commitment. And this is significantly less. And you really feel strongly that this will make a person better. It will make people feel better. And, and I agree with you for, for what it's worth. Speak more on that because again, I really think that people just don't think that they have the time, inclination, effort, or ability to improve the world. Hmm. Well, I think small examples of service are just as profound and impactful as the big ones. So I just want to start there. I don't think, well, I don't know. I, you make me think of this, Gabe. I'll, I'll meditate in the morning and I'll put myself, I'll walk myself through this little visualization. Imagine seeing yourself on a, like a dot on the map in whatever city you're in. Rise above that, see yourself in the state that you're in, all the way down to that little dot in the city and the home that you're in. 
rise up, you see North America or whatever country you're in. Rise up even higher, see South America. Go back to that little dot where you are. Rise back up, see Europe, see Africa, see Asia, see Australia. Keep rising up, you see the earth. Go back down to that little dot. That's you, wherever you are in your home. Rise back up, you see that we're the third rock from the sun. You see that we're in this little planetary alignment. Go back even further, you see that we're in the corner of our solar system. Then you go back down to a little dot, you're in your bedroom or wherever you're, you're meditating. You go back up, you see that we're part of a galaxy. Expand even further, there are trillions of galaxies the same size as ours. You go back, this is the cosmos. You then zoom all the way back into the little dot where you are on the map and your home, wherever you are. That's how small we are. There is so much that we don't know. We are we are so infinitely small uh, in, in, in this infinitude of possibility. So I'm not arrogant enough to be like, I am going to change the world. I am. Look, I can only do what makes sense for me and be, you know, help clean up the, the space that's around me. What makes sense to, to my life. And everyone has that version of that for themselves. And so I, I don't think it's necessary to say like, uh, I, I can change the world or like, um, you know, I'm going to be the one that's going to create world peace. Like, no, but guess what? I can help clean up my streets or, you know, I can be a, a, a staple in my community and, and, and give back. You know, I can be, I can go paint a mural or I can go feed the homeless. I can do, I can take my kid to school on time. I can make sure to, you know, be a good wife or husband, whatever. There's, there's so many ways that we can show up that make our world a better place and make just the, 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 our little sandlot, the little space around us just a little bit better. And that's, that's the focus. If it happens to, or if our reach extends further than we know, well, great, so be it. But the goal for me, I, I, I don't think should be to like, I'm going to make the world a better place and, and change everything. Like bring it back to, to be such a, much smaller. Because when you look at that little exercise or that visualization I walked you through, we are tiny, but we matter. I don't know if that even answered your question, but that just made me think of that. No, it, it did. I, I I love that. I, I think so many people don't get started because they think so big. I, I'm one of those people. Well, I can't change the world, so therefore I'm not going to try. Well, but like you said, you you can change your little sandlot. You, you, I, I can make my wife happy. I can smile at somebody. And who knows? Once you put it out there, it could expand. Maybe it will change the world. Who? You just don't know. But... But in one of the emails that, that we exchanged in preparation for this show, you wrote, one of my core wounds or resident mirages, and maybe this taps into our societal core wound, is my longing to belong. And I, I think that the idea of belonging resonates with a lot of people. What does it mean to you? You know, I, I, I remember exchanging this email with you. And, and I think for me, we, we all come from past. You know, we all come, there's a certain form of ancestral trauma, societal pressure, familial trauma. You, you don't go through life unscathed. It's just part of the process. It's built into our design. And the way I interpreted some of my past is that I didn't belong. I wanted to, I wanted to fit in so badly. And I, I felt like I had to change myself in order to do that. I had to fix myself in order to do that. I had to be someone different in order to belong. And for me, I, once I started to really give myself to other people and to be of service. Every time I would do that, I belonged. 
I felt like inside my own walls, I belonged inside of my psyche, inside of my heart. I felt uh, this, this great sense of belonging. It was every time I would do that, it would just be a deposit. It would be like a soul deposit. And I, and the more and more I would do that, I would feel more and more a sense of inner belonging. And I think that's what we're all going for. Yes, we look to external belonging as well, but internal belonging is, I think it's the key. It's the, it's the gateway to, to so much. And so for me, this longing to belong was, has been a real motivation for a lot of most of my life, really, you know, and as I become 40, um, I'm realizing more and more the importance of, of self-belonging. And, but it's taken work. We, we all have psychological knots that we have to untie and untangle. And we all are given a paradigm of love that we live life through. And then eventually when we wake up, we realize this paradigm, is it suiting us? Is it not suiting us? We then have to dismantle that, dissolve it, and build a new paradigm to live through. That takes time. Untying these psychological knots takes time. But hopefully, I mean, all of it is in the pursuit for inner belonging. Um, and, and maybe you're lucky and right out of the gate, you feel like you belong. <laughs> Good for you. Everyone has their own particular experience and their own particular pain body, their own particular struggles that they go through. That just happened to be mine. Um, and service has been something for me that has has helped me reframe, reshape, and untangle from some of that pain. And I want to normalize this idea of pain so that we can learn how to grieve it, grieve loss, and grieve pain, and accept reality as the way that it is. And in doing that, I feel like it's a gateway to a deeper understanding of love and a deeper connection to true intimacy. And so for me, it's all connected. And it's all part of the journey. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a sentimental, thoughtful guy too. So, you know, maybe some people are like, Ooh, this guy's a softy, but you know, this is, this stuff matters to me. Travis, I have to ask you used a phrase that I've never heard before. Soul deposits. Can you explain to me and our listeners what that is? Um, <laughs> uh, for me, I remember I was building, so I'm, I'm a part of an organization called build on. I'm a global ambassador for them. They build schools around the world. They also have an after-school program around the United States where they uh, create opportunities for, for children to give back to their communities. And then they take those kids to go build schools in the redeveloping world. And it's a service within a service. And it's just a beautiful thing. I've had the opportunity to build uh, quite a few schools. And I remember I was on my first school building trek. And I just felt, I don't know, the, the term soul bucks. I was like, man, I feel like I'm just like, in doing this, I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm somehow like depositing soul bucks into my, my like bank account. It's like positive deposits uh, in, in my life. And it just felt like such a, a positive experience that um, it's almost like when you, you know, you have a check of however big and you go put it in your, you deposit it into your bank. That feels good. You know, and you just know that you're adding, you're building something, you're, you're, you're building wealth when you do that in the bank, but you're doing the same thing inside yourself when you give back. So that's a soul deposit. Travis, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here. Where can folks find you online? I mean, I'm pretty much just active on Instagram, which is just uh, at Travis Van Winkle. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on Twitter um, at TV Dub and tried TikTok for like a week. And I, I, don't even, <laughs> I, mean, I don't even know if I'm on TikTok, but I feel like I need to, I, I always have this desire, like I need to, I need to have more of a presence. I need to do more things. And 
And then I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, so just find, you want to find me, look me up, find me. Just, just Google him. The man is on Google. He's famous. He's on Google. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I just appreciate the conversation. Oh, I, I appreciate you having it. I think it's a great message. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I just appreciate your platform and, and what you talk about and what you share. And I think it's, uh, these conversations are helpful to, to me, you know, I appreciate the, uh, the chance to chat about all this stuff. So thank you. You are very welcome. And I want to give a big thank you to all of our listeners. My name is Gabe Howard, and I'm an award-winning public speaker, and I could be available for your next event. I'm also the author of the book, Mental Illness is an Asshole and Other Observations, which you can get on Amazon. However, you can grab a signed copy with free show swag or learn more about me just by heading over to my website, GabeHoward.com. Wherever you downloaded this podcast, please follow or subscribe to the show. It is absolutely free. And hey, can you do me a favor? Recommend the show. Share it on social media. Mention it in a support group. Talk about it around the water cooler. Hell, send somebody a text because sharing the show is how we grow. I will see everybody next Thursday on Inside Mental Health. You've been listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast from Healthline Media. Have a topic or guest suggestion? Email us at show at psychcentral.com. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show or on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening.